Well, I invite you to take your Bible or Bible app and go to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 6, the sixth chapter of the book of Acts. This morning we're going to look at Stephen. We're going to look at his life, his death, and his heroic faith and see what we can learn from him. And here's the key thought this morning. Here it is. Heroes set out to make good decisions and courageous choices on a daily basis. Heroes make good decisions, courageous choices on a daily basis. Now let me ask you, when you hear the word hero, what do you think of? As I was growing up, my heroes were the comic book kind. You know, Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, Charlie's Angels. No, I, I made, that, made that last one up. When I was about seven years old, I, I was playing with my best buddy, John Main. We had new cheap slingshots that we were trying out, and we were shooting rocks at various targets. And then we got bored and decided we would shoot at each other's feet something we called making each other dance. And we were just having a, a great time of it until one of the rocks hit me in the left eye. And I covered the eye, ran home just a few houses away. My dad happened to be home. He put me right in the car, raced to the nearest hospital. I learned to drive fast from my dad. And we got to ER, and they told us to take a seat and wait. And my dad said, okay. But he told them emphatically that this was an emergency. And my dad was not the most patient man when it came to our well-being. And I'm sure he sensed my fear. And he went up to the desk a number of times to remind them that we were still waiting. And he thought they were lollygagging and didn't have the urgency that he was looking for. You don't hear that word too much these days, lollygagging. But, but Dad used that word. And all of a sudden, he, he said to me, we're leaving. And we just bolted out of that ER waiting room, got back in the car. He raced to the next nearest hospital, and an ER doctor saw me right away. And pretty soon... Uh, they had a specialist looking at my eye. And to make a, a long story short, the, the cornea was damaged, it was injured, there was internal bleeding. And the doctor said, it's a good thing you got here when you did, did. With the bleeding, it could have been much worse. And on that day, my, my dad became my hero. As far as I could tell, he could leap tall buildings in a single bond without breaking a sweat. He saved my eye. Now, we all admire heroes. And I'm not talking about the Hollywood kind of superheroes, but rather the everyday, ordinary, common variety heroes. The kind of heroes that, that rise to the occasion when they find themselves in impossible and even life-threatening situations, like firefighters rushing into burning buildings or jumping into flaming forests like the Coast Guard sailors who rescue men and women on the high seas with the motto, we, we have to go out 
we don't have to come back. Like our military who, who go and fight or stand guard for right and for freedom. And of course, next Sunday is 9-11. We will never forget. And one hero we won't forget, I know I won't forget, is Todd Beamer. Rushing down the aisle of United Flight 93 with those other heroes to stop a terrorist plot that we believe was targeting the Capitol building or perhaps the White House. And his wife, Lisa, Lisa Beamer, wrote a book, Let's Roll. And I love the subtitle, Ordinary People, Extraordinary Courage. Now, we admire these people. We find them very appealing because they're regular people just like us. Ordinary people who do, do something extraordinarily courageous because they love someone or something so much that they're willing to lay down their lives for. And they inspire us because we hope we would respond the same way if we found ourselves in a similar circumstance. And that's how I feel when, when we read the story of Stephen in Acts chapter 6 and 7. Uh, Stephen was a real hero. He was also the first martyr of the Christian church that we read about in the Bible. And when you read his story, it moves you to the edge of, of your seat for all the reasons the stories of modern-day heroes move us to the edge of our seats. Because he was just a regular guy, like one of us. He wasn't Jesus. He wasn't an apostle. He was a layman, an everyday guy with heroic faith. And that's what I love about the book of Acts. See, the book of Acts, it's all about the acts of the Holy Spirit working in and through regular people like Stephen, like you and me. And when you read these stories, riveting stories, supernatural stories, inspiring stories in the book of Acts, they inspire us because if God could do the, the, the kinds of things he did through people like Stephen and others in that day, then he can do those kind of things through people like you and me today. And so this morning, I would like for us to look at the heroic faith of Stephen as it's reported in several scenes in Acts chapter 6 and 7, and let's learn from him. Let's learn to become a more courageous follower of Christ. Well, scene one, scene one begins in a courtroom, and it has all the drama of a John Gresham novel. An innocent man on trial for his life, facing a rigged jury on trumped-up charges with bribed witnesses. It doesn't look good. And the text tells us that, that all eyes in the room were riveted on Stephen. Look at verse 15, chapter 6, verse 15. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. And the chief prosecutor asked in the next verse, next chapter, chapter 7, verse 1, Stephen are these charges true? Now, at this moment, Stephen's life hangs in the balance. How he responds to that question and the words he chooses will largely determine whether he lives or dies. So, let me ask you, 
How would you respond in that situation? If you had been arrested for the crime of telling others about Jesus, if you were arrested for being a follower of Christ, if you found yourself on trial for your life for being a member of this church, how would you respond in that situation? Now, I know that that most of us will never be called upon to pay the ultimate price for being a follower of Christ. But I know that every one of us, every day, face challenges that test our allegiance to the one we call Lord and Master. Every day, we are confronted with decisions that will determine our destinies. So that's scene one. Scene two, we're first introduced to Stephen as the director of the food pantry ministry of the church in Jerusalem. He's chosen to head it up. You see, there is a problem in the church. By this time, the church in Jerusalem had become a mega church, you know, over several thousand people. And there was a mega problem that surfaced in the church. And it had to do with the distribution of, of food to the poor of the congregation. And it had ethnic overtones between the Hebrew-speaking and the Greek-speaking members of the church. And so the apostles, in chapter 6, verse 2, it says, they gathered all the disciples together and said to them, in verse 3, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom, and we will turn this responsibility over to them. Verse 5, they chose Stephen a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. So they chose Stephen, and it says, six other men to solve this problem. And under Stephen's leadership, the problem got resolved, and it allowed the church to flourish. That's verse 7. So the word of God spread, and the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Interesting. Now, scene 3 begins in verse 8. And it's incredible. Uh, Here's Stephen, just a layman, a member of the church, but someone God used in incredible ways. Look at verse 8. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, did great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. And so the church is growing, and God was using Stephen, but not everybody in Jerusalem was happy that the church was growing or that God was using Stephen. And whenever a church begins to have an impact on on a community, sooner or later, there's going to come some opposition against it. That's what happened in Jerusalem, verse 9. Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces of Cilicia and Asia. These men began to argue with, uh, with Stephen but they could not stand up against his wisdom or the spirit by whom he spoke. Verse 12, so they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law, and they seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. Now, the Sanhedrin is like the Jewish Supreme Court, and that's where we began our narrative this morning in that courtroom. You see Stephen in chapter 7, and we won't read chapter 7 because it's the longest sermon recorded in the book of Acts, but Stephen gives this powerful, powerful message. And I encourage you to to go home uh, and read it, chapter 7, read it later today. In the message, he gives a powerful presentation of the validity of this newfound faith, the, the, the Christian faith, and he based it all 
on the Old Testament Scriptures. And you see in the life of Stephen, this man, Stephen, a man of heroic faith, who's a wise, gracious, spirit-filled man, a man who's a mighty man of God, who knows his Bible, who has great spiritual authority. And how do you get a faith like that? Where does that come from? Well, I can tell you one thing. It doesn't come overnight. Heroic faith doesn't come in a dramatic moment, but it's developed over time, and it's the culmination of many private, courageous, intentional decisions. Now, I can think of, of many examples of this throughout the Bible. King David in the Old Testament became a national hero when he killed Goliath as a young man. But his heroic faith was developed as a shepherd boy over the years, protecting his sheep, taking on lions and bears. And Saul of Tarsus. And Saul had to go into the Arabian desert for three years for God to prepare him to be the strong, courageous Apostle Paul. And don't forget Moses. Moses needed 40 years in the desert for God to get him ready to be the liberating hero leading the Israelites out of Egyptian bondage. That's how heroic faith developed over time. A very personal, private process of making decisions. So how about you? Are you cooperating with God in the development of your courageous, heroic faith? We have opportunities every day, every day to develop it, to, to make courageous choices. And we, we don't know anything about Stephen before Acts chapter 6, but we can deduce some conclusions about his personal growth and the development of his heroic faith by what we see in chapter 6 and 7. Obviously, obviously he had made some courageous decisions. First of all, to become a follower of Christ. Have you made that decision yet? You know, he made a decision to become a, a follower of Christ and cast his lot with this group called The Way, this new movement. He made a decision, another decision, to learn the Word of God. Have you made that decision yet? To know the Scriptures, to study the Word. Now, as you read his sermon in chapter 7, you can see he had a tremendous handle on the Old Testament Bible. And then he made a, another courageous decision to allow God to use him, to use the spiritual gifts that God had deposited in his life. Are you allowing God to use the gifts that he's placed in your life? Are you exercising those gifts? Are you, you serving in ministry to his glory? And when asked to take responsibility of leadership in the church, he embraced it. He, he didn't seek it out. But when it sought him, when it, when it came along, uh, he stepped up. He took it on. He accepted the responsibility. Are you accepting the responsibility and the opportunities extended to you as part of the body of Christ here at Quail, as part of the ministry here at Quail? Now, th these are the kinds of decisions that build heroic faith. And when Stephen had the opportunity to be a bold witness for Christ, he took advantage of the opportunity to share who Jesus was and the good news of salvation through him. Do you take advantage of those kind of opportunities to be a bold witness with your family, with your friends, 
with your co-workers, with, with fellow students. Now, Stephen was such a bold witness that eventually it cost him his life. And he became the first martyr of the Christian faith, which we'll read about in a moment and how that happened. But I want you to realize, even though he was the first martyr, he wasn't the last. There have been scores of martyrs down through the centuries. Centuries, uh, or history has been repeated millions of times over to this very day. And the first Sunday of November is the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. There are more martyrs today than ever before in history. We have Christian brothers and sisters around the world who are being persecuted, killed, murdered, executed, tortured for their faith in Christ. It doesn't make the headlines of the news, but it's true. You see, persecution and martyrdom are not just a first century phenomena. They're very real to this day. As a matter of fact, that the experts tell us, historians tell us, that in the 20th century, more followers of Christ were killed for their faith in Jesus than all the, the 19 centuries combined. And Stephen was the first to die for Christ, but he certainly wasn't the last. And some of you may be thinking, does Jesus want me to die for him? Yes, he does. He does. To die for him if necessary, but more importantly, to live for him to die to self, to live for him. And Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, Luke 14, 27, you, you must take up your cross and follow me. If you don't take up your cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple, he said. And when he said, you must be willing to take up your cross, the cross wasn't a picture of some stigma or, or, or burden or hardship in following him. No, he was describing an instrument of death. You see, if you're going to, to follow me, you must follow me with your whole life. And if you're willing to die for me, well, then you're willing to live for me. And that's the call, to live for Christ, to die to self. The Apostle Paul said it this way, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 15. He died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. And I think it's so ironic that Paul would, would write those words because we'll read it in a moment at the stoning of Stephen, at the execution of Stephen, Saul of Tarsus, who would later become the Apostle Paul, was participating in his execution, holding the cloaks of those who were stoning Stephen. And Paul would, would later talk about how, as a witness of Stephen's death, it had a huge impact on him becoming a follower of Jesus. And Paul would, would later write those words that Melissa quoted, Galatians 2, 2, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, Paul wrote th those famous words, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Does Jesus want us to die for him? Yes, if necessary. But more importantly, he wants us to live for him every day a life of, of courageous faith, choosing to, to put him number one, to put him first in our lives, in everything. 
Mike Singletary, former uh, great with the Chicago Bears, Hall of Fame middle linebacker, one of my favorite defensive players of all times. He actually was the coach of San Francisco 49ers. That didn't work out so much for him. That was one year. Singletary, though, is a devoted Christ follower. He talks about how he would spend 80 hours a week, 80 hours preparing for nine, nine minutes of glory on Sunday. Now, nine minutes, this might surprise you, but nine minutes is about the, the average time a first-string NFL player would, would actually play in a typical game, nine minutes. And Singletary would prepare 80 hours a week, running practice drills on the field, watching film of the opposition, working out in the weight room, doing all of that, all that intense focus and effort so he would play his best when it really counted, when it really mattered, when the stakes were highest. And heroic faith, like athletic skill, is built the same way, one day at a time. One day at a time. One decision at a time. One brave action at a time, when we courageously choose to do the right thing for the right reason, when we choose to be more, not less, like Jesus, when we say no to temptation and sin, when, when we seek to serve rather than be served, and when we choose to live for Christ and to die to self, to die to self-centeredness in countless ways every day. Every day, we have opportunities to make decisions that most people will never see, never know about, but those decisions build an heroic faith that will be there when it really matters, when it really counts, when things are on the line. Lisa Beamer, in that book, Let's Roll, talks about the decisions Todd made years before that fatal flight on 9-11. At the age of 24, having just completed his MBA degree. He sat down and wrote life goals in his journal. Now here's some of them. To be a strong Christian, to love my wife and support her efforts, to strive to be like my father, a dad with integrity, to be ex uh, respected even when I'm not around, to be disciplined, to be compassionate to others and support them through time and money. And Todd Beamer was an active church member. He led a, a couple small group with Lisa. He taught a, a boy's Sunday school class every Sunday. You see, Todd Beamer was just like many of you, many of us, an ordinary Stephen kind of guy, living a courageous life of heroic faith, and it prepared him for the greatest crisis of his life. And here's the message, here it is, that, that, that I want you to take away with you this morning. I pray that this registers deep within you. Heroes do not set out to be heroes. They set out to make good decisions, courageous choices on a daily basis. And when a crisis comes, and it will come, courageous faith emerges. Courageous faith rises up. Let that message really soak in today. And that brings us to the final scene of Stephen's life. Near the end of chapter 7, having just delivered this brilliant sermon, this brilliant defense of his faith, he powerfully, boldly proclaims that Jesus is the Messiah, the one that was promised in the Old Testament, the one who was anticipated 
by the Jewish people, but also the one who is rejected by that very court. And he turns the tables on his accusers and he indicts them. That's verse, verse 53. He says, you who have, who have received the law that was put into effect through angels, but you have not obeyed it. That's not a real good thing to do. When you're on trial for your life, I mean, to accuse the judges, and they responded. Verse 54, when they heard this, they were furious, and they gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. He said, look, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And it's the only time, by the way, that, that Jesus is ever described in the Bible as standing at the right hand of God. All the other times he's described as being seated or sitting at the right hand of God. Except when, when someone is facing their death of heroic faith, like Stephen. You see, every believer has the assurance that Jesus will welcome us. And when this life is over, that he will welcome us into heaven with open arms. We have that assurance that comes from placing our trust in Jesus Christ and him alone for eternal life. But I believe Jesus stands for those who die, who live and die within heroic faith. And they make that transition with boldness and confidence and hope. You see, just as God gives us grace that we need as we need it throughout this life, he also gives us grace as we need it when this life is over, when we're coming to you know, those last moments of this life, to get us through that time of transition from, from death on this earth to eternal life. He gives dying grace. And notice in verse 57, at this, at the words of Stephen, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him and they dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses, notice this, laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Hirius, Saul, and while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And not only did Stephen live out his life like Jesus, but the history of the early church tells us he also died like Jesus. Verse 60, then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Now those words have an echo to them, don't they? And when he said those words, he died. You see, when you know who and what you're living for, you'll be ready to go whenever and however that happens and when that time comes. And make no mistake about it, Stephen's martyrdom did not make him a hero. His martyrdom simply revealed his, his heroic faith. When Todd Beamer found himself on a routine business flight that was turning fatal, he made a call on the air phone and spoke to an operator. Maybe you've heard the recording. He, he said to her, I don't think we're going to get out of this thing. I'm going to have to go out on faith. And then he asked her to recite the Lord's Prayer with him. And in reading about him, I learned his small group had just done, a, they did a study of the Lord's Prayer. And after, after they recited the Lord's Prayer together on the phone, she heard him say his final words, God help me, 
Oh, Jesus, could you please help me? And then those famous words that he spoke to the other heroes with him that that had kind of just formed their own team. He said, are you ready? Let's roll. Let's roll. And Todd Beamer ran down the aisle of that airplane into the standing, open, waiting, loving arms of Jesus. The standing, waiting, open, loving arms of Jesus. Just like he'll receive us when we live and die with heroic faith. Let's pray together. As we bow our heads together, let me just lead you in some reflection. Are you living a life of heroic faith? Have you been been making courageous decisions to follow Jesus, to be more like him, to live like him? Well, today, right now, you can make a courageous decision to do what you know you need to do. To make a decision you you need to make. And just tell God right where you are, God, I want to do the right thing. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to give up that sin. I'm going to say no to that temptation. I'm going to step out of my comfort zone and trust you. I'm going to accept that responsibility that you're extending to me. I'm going to give that sacrificial gift. I'm going to forgive that person. I'm going to ask for forgiveness. I'm going to trust you with with my illness or the illness of my loved one. I'm going to share my faith. I'm going to live for you, Jesus. Whatever it is God is telling you to do right now, would you do it? Make the decision. This is your moment. God is listening. Decide today, right now. Make a courageous choice to follow Jesus, to be more like him, to live for him, to do the right thing. And now, God, I... I thank you for Stephen's life and his example. We want to be courageous followers of yours, to experience your supernatural power in our lives, to be a bold witness of your love and truth, to live our lives for you in the extraordinary power of the Holy Spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.